Welcome to Mindset Body Bank. I am Rob Pallante, your host and the founder of Mindset Body Bank. Um, remember, guys, as you listen to today's episode, if you got anything out of it, if you appreciated the conversation, if you uh, found a little nugget of information, uh, which I guarantee you will today, please leave a comment, give a like, share the um Share the podcast with your friends or on your social media. Uh, help me get a few more uh, followers out there. Uh, today, I have lined up a, another Stanley Cup champion, all the way dating back to 2010. Mr. Brent Sopel joins me uh, and uh, gives me an hour of his time, not only to share uh, a little bit about hockey, but some of the fantastic things that he is doing, that he is focusing on, to create a legacy as he goes out to change the world. So I'm not going to give too much away here. So let's jump in and welcome Brent Sopel. Hey guys, well, I'm live here with uh, Brent Sopel. Brent, I really appreciate you taking time to jump on here with me on Mindset Body Bank. Um, you know, I've, I've got a, I've got a bit of a streak going with some of my, uh, my old hockey buddies, uh, I keep bringing on Stanley Cup champions. I don't know if that's uh, that's a reflection of of me or just the people I hang around with. So I appreciate you taking time and jumping on. Uh, how you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, and, and just so everybody knows, uh, unlike some of my other guests, Brent and I don't really know each other. We were introduced through uh, through another common friend, uh, Ryan Phillips. Who uh, who I just uh, interviewed on my podcast and um, and Ryan was open up and 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 said hey you know what I can get Brent Sopel for you and Brent's a great guy and we're all kind of in moving in the same direction so um, you know appreciate and kudos going out to Ryan for for the introduction he's uh, he's a unique individual <laughs> that's just uh, putting it lightly <laughs> well you know what i mean anybody that takes their time out to uh to jump and give somebody else an hour of their time and share their story uh you know i really believe it's about being open honest and vulnerable now we don't have to hide things the way that we used to years ago and there's no shame in being who we are and and sharing some of the adversities that we've had to go through to get to where we're at right um so Absolutely. So let, let's start off a little bit, Brent. So you're down in Florida. We were just talking offline and you're, you're uh, just sharing a, a little bit of one of the things you're up to. And, I'm, and, and as I've read more into your bio more currently rather than your hockey stuff, you got a lot going on. Yeah, you know, it's uh, <laughs> as Ryan likes to say to me, he's like, you're all over the map. And 100 uh, percent, you know, I'm in Florida, you know, started a solar company. So doing solar business in, uh, you know, in the United States and here in Florida, the Sunshine State, so that's good. Uh, you know, got a couple of things in the back end, but uh, my sole purpose in life, and like you said, it's, it's funny how you trip upon your sole purpose, and that's my foundation. And um, where I am today is, you know, is all for that. The solar business, everything I'm doing is is to give back to to that. And you talked about uh, you know messages, and you know, anytime I can help an individual anywhere, no matter you know. Here in Canada, here in the U.S., around the world, uh, this is what it's all about, is, is giving back. Because life isn't easy. I don't care what anybody says. If somebody says it is, they're completely lying to you. We all struggle with, with something, and that's just reality. So uh, if you want to lie to uh, somebody, you're not lying to them, you're lying to yourself. 
Yeah, agreed. Well, you talk about being all over the map, but your career has kind of had you in a bunch of different places. So, uh, so be before we jump into kind of what you're doing right now, we got the, the picture of the whole solar thing. We'll dive a little bit deeper into that. But, uh, you, you know, looking at your hockey career, you, uh, you landed in a few different cities and not, not just North American Canadian cities. That brought you overseas. I've heard some of those stories over in Russia. Uh, maybe you want to elaborate. Let's, let's take it back to young Brent. We'll get into that stuff. You know, growing up, um, where you're from, uh, Calgary, I believe. Or the yeah, I was born in Calgary, moved to uh, Saskatchewan, uh, Saskatoon uh, okay. when I was two years old and uh, spent half the time there and half the time on, on our farm, which is, you know, three hours north. So, um, you know, obviously I'm a farm boy. You can take me off the farm, but you can't take the farm out of me. And Love I'm it. here in here Ford looking for a farm and I don't want to see any neighbors. I want to be able to run around naked on my farm and nobody see me and uh, have my own garden. And so, um, yeah, you know, I, my nickname should be Samsonite, you know, uh, from where I've been around from, from, from Calgary to Saskatoon to completely around the world. So everybody watched Dumb and Dumber, you know, so maybe Swami Samsonite. That's right. That should have been my nickname. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Uh, uh, that's awesome, though. But it's those experiences that round you out and make you who you are, right? And uh, and I know just, just even from the, the you know the, the drop in the bucket minor league career that I had, people love hearing those stories, right? And and it's, you know, th th which leads to a whole other discussion. I mean, you know, you as athletes, a lot of times we identify by the jersey we wear on our shirt. No matter how many different jerseys we wear, we're always identified by this jersey. And I know when I left the hockey world and, and decided to go into the corporate world, I kept getting dragged back into, well, tell us about, you know, playing in the minors and what was it like and who are some of the guys you played with? And everybody wants to hear those stories. I mean, well, I, I was trying to show them how much I knew about the products and the services and the corporate yeah. world and trying to leave that one, but you can never really shake either one. Right. So it becomes a challenge who you become or who you are. Well, you know, and everybody wants to be who they're not. You know, again, you talk about the corporate <laughs> world, they, they dream to be, you know, an athlete where we, you know, where we are. And now you're in their world, you want to be them, you know. Yeah. So, um, you know, we don't live in reality, in, you know, in the sports world. You know, I, I didn't really enter the real world till I was 40, you know, because it, it's, it's a different living. And stepping out of there and uh, you talk about doing great things with young kids and athletes coming up is, you know, because nobody talks about the end. You know, it's kind of asking for a pre, it's kind of like asking for that prenup before you get married. Yeah. What are you planning for the end? Yeah. Well, you know, in, in our, in our situation, you have to, that's the right way to do it. And um, that's why, you know, all athletes, all four major sports, plus, you know, the people in the military and army and Navy, none of them, we did whatever we're doing for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, whatever that is. Now you want to enter the real world, which is not a nice place with no understanding of how to do a resume how to interview. What does that mean to us leaving the game of hockey? Like you said, you opened the corporate world. It's a, you know, a deer in headlights. Yeah. So what did you do? Was there anybody there when you were playing? Like, you know, I didn't have the career that you had, um, but, but was there anybody there to help walk you through that? Did they have, you know, I know you got agents and there's advisors, but anybody help you prepare when you were a young guy to say, Hey, Brent, this could be over soon. And you might want to think about life after game, after the game. No, no, absolutely not. You know, and agents, advisors, they're, it's a business too. They don't help you. As soon as you leave the game of hockey, you know, let's go back. Yeah. Hockey, once you get paid, you get your first paycheck, it's a business. You know, so all the fans, it's not a sport. I'm sorry. It is a sport too, yes, because uh, you're sitting in the armchair, you know, of home or in that arena 
hopefully sometime soon here in Canada and everywhere else. It's a sport to you, yes. The owners, it's a business. They don't care about who we are as a people. They talk about family. They don't care. Are you making them money? And that's that's what agents, same way. You're not making me money, done. They're, you know, they're not advising. You know, let's go back a little bit further. I think junior hockey, the yeah. CHL does a terrible job. That's when you need to start talking about the end. Yeah. Because I was lucky, you know, I played 18 years pro. I was lucky enough to play 18 years pro. Average age of a career is, is five years. Yeah. Now, if you play in the NHL for five years, you don't come home with a million dollars in your bank. So guess yeah. what? You got you got to work for 30 more years. What are you going to do? Yeah. I don't know. What do you like? I don't know. Because I did something, you know, for 30 years. So um, I think this starts, you know, at the beginning of junior. So I think this lands on the CHL who does a, a horrendous job with preparing these big guys because you take a look at ohl whl the qhl how many the percentage of those guys make uh nhl career where they can retire off of the money they make point zero 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 one percent right so uh, yeah and that those that's like the elite of the elite that are already there the top three percent of the guys of the three percent that made it yeah or the one you know, percent so, of the three percent that made it Right. Yeah, exactly. So prepare those guys for life. So you said, you know, ask me, I had nobody, you know, I end up being, uh, I left the game of hockey. Um, you know, I, you know, I had four kids, you know, got divorced and, yeah. you know, I found out when I was 32 years old, I'm dyslexic. So I was reading at a grade four level in high school, you know, so my education probably doesn't take me past grade eight. So here you got a guy that needs to find a job where nobody would hire me didn't have a, didn't know how to do a resume, didn't have an education. I didn't have work experience. Nobody cared that I want a Stanley Cup. Everybody's like, oh, you want a Stanley Cup? I'm like, I don't care. It's not paying my bills. They don't care what you've done. Tom Brady walked out now, best best quarterback ever. He didn't have the money. People yeah. wouldn't care. Are you make, can you do the job? Yes, no, no. Okay, see, move on. They don't care. It's the real world. Um, this is all work. So I had nobody. Um, I hit the, uh, you know, I hit drugs and alcohol really, really hard. You yeah. know, I, I've been sober four and a half years. I got thrown into rehab. I was almost dead. Yeah. So that's when I had a reality check is getting sober and figuring out, I had to figure out who I was and learning uh, to love myself with a learning disorder that I was made fun and ridiculed my whole life. It, it, it's sad that, that, that it comes to that, you know, because, because as an athlete, and I learned that too, you know, at a, at a, at a much quicker level. And, and I, I guess I was sort of lucky because I chose the college route and I said, I give myself a couple of years. Um, and it, you know, I, and I did, I kicked around the minor leagues for about four or five years and I got tired of it. And, you know, um, I was kind of pushed into a role where they wanted me to fight all the time. And that was like day one, I went to the, the North stars camp in 92 and had a fight very first day in camp held my own. I wind up going with Tenorti McRae and, and, uh, Reed Simpson. And I did okay, but coming out of college, I didn't have a whole lot of practice. I was just a big kid. And then all of a sudden now you're, you're pigeonholed in that role. And I was like, fuck, do I want to do this forever? Cause this sucks. Right? I used yeah. to be able to play the game. And when you talk about playing the game, then they're like, you're traded or you're down or, you know, now you're, I, I, I was like in the low of the low down on the coast and just wasn't fun anymore. And I said, I'm out, you know, and I had a couple surgeries and, um, and some broken bones and I had to move on. But, but, you know, to your point, there was, I, I was, I went through a lot of mental issues you know, and, and drugs and alcohol were involved. And I, there was, I was looking around, look, there was just nobody to talk to. Nobody cared. Right. 
And, and like you said, you're just a commodity down there. And, and it goes to show, even at that level, I know a lot of guys that, that played at that level and you just get, you get pushed around until they, your value isn't useful anymore. Right. And you're traded or you get sent around and nobody's to there to say, Hey, you know what? Hey, Brent, let's, let's set you up for life after let's help you, you know, prepare for that. Not there, not there, you know, and, um, again, it's a business. There's three businesses, NHL, NHLPA, NHL alumni. They're there if they're in a business for themselves. They're not here to help, you know, and this is just, uh, it's just a reality of, you know, again, why I started my foundation to, yeah. to be there to advocate and, and support, you know, kids with dyslexia and learning differences and, you know, in mental health, drugs and alcohol, like I said, I've been sober four and a half years and put people in rehab. And, um, that's my purpose is, is there being there for people? And, um, you know, we're all, we all put our pants on the same way. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I absolutely. said, women, you might've jumped off the bed, getting your little lemon, <laughs> but we, we still put it on the same way. Yeah. It doesn't matter what color you are, blue, red, black, green, yellow. We're all human. Yeah. We all struggle, you know, and talk about learning disorders. I think about 80% of us have it or, you know, something, Yeah. you know, so just, you know, it's being okay with who you are. Right. I think that's the most important thing. And that's a, a big part of the, of what I'm the, the platform that I've created is, is to, you know, work with the, the young up and coming athletes now to help them realize and build a foundation that says, Hey, you know, I can help you unlock things that I've learned about in the mind and your body and, and how the two of them can help you become a better performer. But more importantly, these are lessons that you're going to be able to take with you when the sport is over and start to realize that there will be an end. And you don't know when it is. It could be a motorcycle accident. It could be, you know, you're just, you know, an injury in your sport. It just could be your cut and they don't need you anymore. Like you said, you know, you're, 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 you've lost value to whatever your sport is, but you have to be able to prepare for that. I mean, how many guys do you know that the day after they were done, they, they wake up and they go, I don't know what the fuck to do today. Right. Every one, every one of them, every yeah. single one of them, you know, and um, like you said, talk about, you know, mental health. 90 hockey is 90% mental 10% physical. Okay. You went to the gym, you worked out and you went for a bike ride and a run and you skated. Great. What about the 90%? Yeah. And, and you know, what's interesting about that, Brent, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, it, it, it follows a narrative that I'm, you know, that I'm trying to build around youth sports is that, it, you know, everybody, I think if you ask anybody, any of the coaches now, you know, being in Toronto, everybody here thinks that, that the GTHL is the, you know, the heart of, of hockey in Canada, right? It doesn't matter. You got 60,000 kids registered in minor, minor hockey in the Toronto area. Right. Uh, I, I put on a, a live event in the middle of COVID and brought in some of my buddies, my, the guys that I was closer to um, that played in the show and, and that are involved in management. And I thought I'd put on a day and I did it with a non-for-profit group out of Vancouver called For the Love of the Game. And the idea was, you know, we're in this limbo. I wanted to give something back. I paid for it out of my own pocket. Um, and the idea was anybody could register, anybody could come on and you could listen and interact with, you know, these high profile guys from the OHL coaches right up through the NHL. And, um, and I went to the GTHL, I went to the OMHA, I went to the OHL, I went to not a single one of them, uh, offered to help promote that the, uh, my day, which was called life through hockey and, um, all they wanted they, they asked me what my budget was to advertise through their associations. 
which to me, you know, and maybe I was a little bit naive coming from the, you know, the hockey or, or the, uh, the corporate world coming back into hockey thinking, hey, you know what, I could reenact some of those, um, those old contacts that I had and, and reach back in and say, hey, I used to be a player here. And, and it was a little bit disappointing. But to, to your point, I mean, it just comes full circle. You're right. It's a business. They just wanted money. They weren't interested in what, you know, they were so worried about the return to play that I said, have you guys asked the kids how they feel? Has anybody talked to them about what they're going through mentally? Well, we, we got to get them back to the rink and we got to figure out how to social distance properly and, you know, whether they're going to wear masks or not. I go, you're missing the point. Right. So it was, it was so the really point was, <laughs> you know, we're, we want money. We don't care yeah. about the kids. So that's such a point. sad state, you know, and that's uh, the GTI, you know, you know, that's, they don't care about the kids. Back, back in the day, you know, uh, my parents used to, you know, register. It was obviously a lot cheaper. They could work a couple bingos to pay off, uh, you know, to pay off, uh, you know, some of the, you know, some of the money. And um, th- It was for the kids back then. Yeah. Hockey's not for the kids now, you know, um, it's a business. They, that's why for you to say that I'm not surprised one little bit. Yeah. You know, and it tells about the business, you know, minor hockey is not minor hockey for the kids. It's a business. Yeah. And well, the guys running it don't care. Coaches don't care. They care about their wins and losses because they care about themselves and running up. Like, obviously, there's a few that aren't like that. But yeah. for majority, that's the way it works now. And, and, and you know, it's funny when you say the, the game is 90 percent mental and 10 percent physical and you listed that, you know, the, the physical attributes going to the rank and taking shots and going for a run and working out. And I said, you know, how many people are working on this part of their game, which is, you know, 90% of the game, according to a guy that's won a Stanley Cup and, and played 18 years of pro, zero, almost none of them are doing anything on the mental side of the game. And everybody thinks that their talent and their, their stick handling skills and their skating and their conditioning is what's going to get them to that level. And what they don't realize is that everybody at that level can do that. Mm-hmm. In life is 90% mental. All right. So if you're, if you're, you're the best scientist, all right. Are you working with your hands a little bit, but where's it all coming from? You're right. <laughs> that's a, that's right? a great so analogy. Like, you know, you know, if you're a doctor, okay, guess what? I need to, I'm going to do a surgery. I got to do this brain surgery. Where's it all coming from? It's all coming for your brain. You know, it doesn't matter who you are. Life is 90% mental. If I wake up in the morning, the first thing is, oh, I'm tired. Guess what? You're done. Your day is done right there. You know, um, most of the world lives half empty. Glass is half empty, not half full. Right. Right. No. Oh, poor me. And this, this. Okay. That's where, you know, what you give off is what you attract. You know, if you're that that half empty person, that's what you're going to get. God, that's great. You know what? I say that to the guys I work with all the time. I said, the universe doesn't discriminate. Whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. And whatever you put out is exactly what you're going to get back. Positive energy or negative energy. Right. Yeah. What's the, what's the little choo-choo train? I think I can. I think I can. Yeah. You know, That's I told where we were watching that, you know, there it is. Yeah. You know, it's simplest form, right? But, but, but it's so, so true, isn't it? You know, and they always talk about cliches. There's a reason why they're cliches because they're right. You know, you don't say wrong cliche. There's no such thing with a wrong cliche. Yeah. You don't say it. <laughs> And, you know, you, you, know, you know, that's what it is. There's a cliche for a reason. And yeah. everybody's like, just, they don't listen to it. 
And there's a reason why it is a cliche, you know, and, and really listen to it. And when, when I say something like that, you know, everybody gets, you know, negative, you know, something bad. But God always passes messages in negative ways. Why? Because it hurts. Yeah. It takes time to see it. And there's a message in everything that happens. It's different for each person. But if he sense it while well, you're having a great time and things are good, guess what? You're going to miss it. Yeah. And we miss so many messages that we don't take time to take a step back. It's like automatically for me, you yeah. know, uh, uh, funerals. They should be celebrations of life. Agreed. You know, it's just, yeah, yes. It's sad. You know, the individual, whoever that is, you know, during COVID, obviously we have a lot going on and rest of all their souls. Guess what? They're up there in the most eternity, best place in the world, but let's celebrate who they were and what they're about. Right. Why we go to the legacy. And it's funny you say that too, because I talk about that a lot too with the guys I work with is think about what you want your legacy to be. How, you know, not just, not just how you're going to act and what you're going to achieve from a, from a, a wins, losses, goals, points perspective, but who are you as a person? And, and when you're, when they're putting you in a box, you know, what do you want people to be saying about you? How did you yeah. leave this world? Did you leave it a better place than you found it? Because, because I don't think a lot of people take the time to think about it. And it's so refreshing to hear yes. that, you know, I, t- I talk about the, my legacy, you know, I never talk about hockey. You know, hockey brought me more pain than, than, than great. You know, so yeah. I don't want my name, anything to, to do with hockey. And, you know, I'll probably, you know, and I'll expand that what I say, because I want my legacy to be my foundation. Yeah. You know, I called my documentary, which is on YouTube. It's called, you know, Brent's here to change the world. Yeah. And people are like, why would you say that? Because I believe I'm going to change the world. And that's what my legacy is. You know, winning the Stanley Cup has been amazing to get me meetings um, that I would have never gotten. You know, right. I spent a lot of time uh, up in Capitol Hill, up in Washington. You know, I was the first Canadian, I think it was, to speak on a topic in the Library of Congress. Right? right? Not about me. It's for yeah. every kid out there. That's my legacy, not hockey. You know, yeah. so I will touch upon it. But my legacy that I want to live is that I changed the world and I helped each kid that's struggling today. If that's mental health, that drugs, that addiction, is that depression, you know, my message is you're not alone. Yeah, I think that's so important because a lot of them don't know where to turn. And and one of the biggest problems, and you know, being a hockey kid, I was lucky my parents weren't like that. But you see a lot of the crazy hockey parents here in Toronto, um, you know, trying to live vicariously and pushing their kids to do things that are, are only for self-serving purposes. It's disheartening because you see all of these kids that maybe really enjoyed the sport by the time they're 13, 14, 15, they're burnt out because they're hockeyed out or they're sported, whatever it is. It's a, it's a 20, it's a 12 month a year sport now, right? And, and no, it's not. <laughs> it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. Yeah, shouldn't up be. until I played two sports till I was 16. Yeah. And every kid should. And, and to elaborate on your, on your statement there. So why are they pushing their kids so much? It's they're living vicariously through them. Why? Because they see the big, big dollars. So who's the, who's in it for the money? Yeah. So is the, you know, so is minor hockey. So yeah. is the parents, all they see that, you know, the hundred million dollar contract. All right, let's go through the NHL. How many hundred million dollar contracts? Now let's go through the, the world of percentage of kids that are going to make there. Yeah. Well, you know, I know I did this in my in my meeting in in my uh, life through hockey. I talked about this in in North America. There's 1.6 million kids registered in in minor hockey. The odds right. of playing the NHL 0.0025. 
All right, I'm going to write this down. You know, I got, now I got my pen and paper because I'm interested to hear these numbers. Yeah. yeah it, hold on. I might even have, I might even have uh, this on my virtual background. Hang on here. Perfect. Uh, yep, I do. Because I talk to people all the time about this stuff. And there it is. All right. There we go. Uh, Perfect. Let me flip it. Hold on. So 560,000 kids registered in my hockey. So these, these numbers are, uh, these are about three or four years old. So okay. um, when I did that, the conference, I also showed that, and I can, I can send this to you, Brent, so that yeah, you have Yeah, send it to me for sure. Because I'm interested. Yeah. So I just like you said, people. five years average in the NHL, 5.5. And I've got the numbers, the statistics on, on the four major sports. So if you include basketball, baseball, and football in that, it's yeah. 5.85, right? So it's in any pro sports, you're looking at maybe five and a half years of, of a pro life. And then what? Well, and then let's talk about what people don't understand the backside of the business world. So I think it is now... In 18 teams, uh, you know, it's 18 or 20 teams, I think it is, in the NHL. Um, if you make a million dollars after your cost of living, taxes, escrow, all that stuff, you come home with $200,000. So, you know, if you take that $200,000 for five years, you know, yes, yeah. you have a million bucks. Okay. Yeah. Where's that, you know? You think you're making $8 million. No, you have a million bucks. Still a million dollars is a lot of money, but that million dollars can't last you the rest of your life to live if you have a family. Right. I know. And I think that's the misconception that everybody thinks, oh, he plays in the NHL or he plays pro football or basketball. You know, he'll be set for life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 44, almost 45. I have four kids with a grandson. I'm not set for life. I'm working every day. I'm working. I'm twice as busy, if not three times busier now than I ever was. You know, um, the, the, the sporting world is a business. Yeah. It's no different if you work for Lululemon, RBC Bank, and you know, the corporate world that you talk about, it's exactly the same. It's exactly the same. Owners don't care about me. Chicago Blackhawks owner doesn't care that I was in rehab, that I was struggling. They don't care. Yeah. Just like, you, you know, you get, you know, let's just use, you know, RBC Bank, because everyone knows in Canada, that's sure. why I'm just, no, there's no preference. I'm just pulling, pulling yeah, yeah. a name out of hat. You know, if they fire you, you know, and you come back in two years, they don't care who you are. You're fired. Just yeah. like when nobody will hire me or give me a contract, it's the exact same thing as being fired. So, yeah. you know, it, it's different. You know, it's, it's nothing different if yeah. you really want to look at it. I, and you know what, it's, when you say that, it, it just, it, it triggers a story. I'm dealing with one of my athletes right now. He's a football player and he's at uh, university of North Dakota. He's um, you know, he, he's had an opportunity to go to another level of, of NCAA football, but he's very concerned about what the coaches are going to think. If he puts his name, I guess they have this lottery. Now, when I went to school, yeah. there wasn't a lottery, but you can put your name in a lottery now and you can get picked up by another school. And this kid's a big kid. He trains hard all summer and he's been shown some interest to go to, you know, potentially go to another level in the NCAA. Um, and, and so, you know, he had a conversation with his coach being right honest. And he said, look, I think I'm going to put my name in the lottery and I want to be able to, um, you know, to explore what the options are for me personally. And this is after almost two weeks of back and forth conversations. Right. And, and the, the coach's reaction was, you're a piece of shit. You know, you let us down. We've been loyal to you for so long. How could you do this to us? 
And, and, you know, going back to your point out, it just reemphasizes what I was telling him is you got to do you, you know, use them the way that they're going to use you. Make it a, a decision based on what you can do, what you have to do for yourself, because nobody else really cares. And five minutes out the door, they're not going to give a shit about you. <laughs> yeah. And the difference is, you know, Canada and the U.S., obviously, it's two different worlds. You know, we, you know, we talked on about, uh, you know, healthcare, you know, before we got on, but let's talk about college, you know, university is, you know, university is different in Canada than here. It is the, it is the second biggest business in the United States is college. You know, if you go the first two years, you can go, you go to school. It doesn't matter if you go to North Dakota, if you go to university of Washington, Ohio state or Yale, the classes are exactly the same. So go to a community college, go to a cheaper college, then your last two years transfer out if you want to get a bigger name to go to a Michigan or to go to a Harvard or go to a UNT, um, North Dakota, or you want to go to Notre Dame, then you get your degree from there. So, you know, for him, you know, if you want to transfer to a bigger school for your last two years, also, there's a two thought process, you know, is it, are you going to play? Are you going to play more? But you know, that degree, because you're going to need that degree. You're not going to be, you wouldn't be looking up to move up uh, if you're, you're not going to be the next, you know, uh, Russell Wilson. Right. Sorry, because you already would have been there. You know, so right. where does you, where do you get your degree from? Right. You know, is that going to be a division one with a big name or is that a division three? Guess what? Right. That bigger name might draw you some more interest just for a job after, you know, so it, it's a little bit more of a thought process than we're used to it in Canada. Obviously I've lived here in the United States for just yeah. right, too long. I've been trying to get rid of my Canadian accent for a long time. I can't, <laughs> but it's been like 20 years I've been here in the U S so, yeah. you know, I know both sides of the border, border. Sure. Well, all my family's still in Canada. I'm a Saskatchewan boy. I always will be, but I know the business of life here in U S so um, with some of your clients speaking of him, it's a different thought process. Now are you going to go back to Canada and live? Or you can stay in the U.S. So there's a lot more to it. But you're exactly right. You're a commodity. You know what that is. I always use, you know, commodity is too big of a word for me. I always use it for a piece of meat. (laughs) 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 Same thing, though, right? It's the same thing. You're a piece of meat, right? Yeah. So it depends how much they're willing to pay for what cut you they think you are at that time. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you're a T-bone or a ribeye or where you're coming at. But that coach is... Coach is pissed at him because guess what? He's a better player and he wants it. He wants wins. He doesn't, he's not there for the kid. And that's earlier. We talked about that. That's why he's pissed. Yeah. Because yeah, he was loyal to him. He was only loyal to him because he's one of our better players. And I need, I need him to make me look better. Yeah. Because coaches make ridiculous money in the college sports. Yeah. And look, I don't want to, I don't want to look at, I'm a big sports fanatic. And I think that sports can be used properly if you understand what what's behind it right so i don't want to i don't want to poo poo on the game of hockey or football because you know essentially look it it's been able we talked about this on our phone conversation it's been able to open up doors right oh yeah and and you still got got to go and deliver but but you you know it opens up doors and and i think being able to understand how you can use it to your advantage and use them the way they use you right and I'm same as you. I'm not here to to, to, to to disgruntle on hockey or football or baseball, bass, none of them. You know, just be aware. You know, this right. is you know this is why we're on here. Is uh, is I'm open and honest about it. I'm yeah. not going to sugarcoat it so that you're, you end up a deer in headlights. So that's just me yeah. being aware. If you can get a, you know go your your football player, if you can go get a, a college degree. You know, it's basically two hundred fifty thousand dollars here in the U.S. That's what it costs for a four year degree. Two hundred two hundred fifty thousand dollars. 
you know, that's almost half a million dollars Canadian. If you can do that, my God, go ahead, do it, take advantage of it. So I'm not, you know, I'm just giving you the reality of, of it. You know, sports are amazing, you know, to catapult who you are as an individual, as life. Absolutely. You know, this is just to give you a, uh, you know, a rare look in the backside of reality so that, you know, you know, you got to have all your eggs in the basket. You got to know what those eggs are going to come out. Are you, you know, is it going to be chickens or is it going to be eggs? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I got to take a step. We're going to take a step back into hockey. I got to ask you a few questions about hockey. You know, yeah. I, I read something and, and it kind of struck me as funny because, you know, you, you spent some time playing in Vancouver twice. Um, and, uh, and one of the comments I read on the Wikipedia was that uh, Crawford said, you'll, you'll never play in the NHL. <laughs> what was the gratification when you actually got to step in? What was your first game like? Just share a little bit of that experience. Yeah, you know, it was a funny full circle. My first game was in Chicago, you know, <laughs> and uh, it's Blackhawks and obviously I ended up winning the Stanley Cup and spent living in, in Chicago for 13 years. So, um, you know, obviously it was satisfying. Which and, is you know, funny, I and I'll, I'll let you finish, but my very first pro game was in Chicago also uh, as an exhibition <laughs> game with the Stars in 92, going up yeah, the back when you, steps. Is that when you so, played Reed Simpson? Yeah. Yeah, simmer. So um, obviously, Saskatchewan kid on the outdoor rink. I won the Stanley Cup a million times. Yeah. You know, to to finally get on the ice. So obviously, um, you know, was you know was amazing. And, and funny, Mark Crawford said that to me. But I think I played all. I was close to seven hundred games, six hundred and fifty, I think, or something like that. Yeah. I think five hundred of them were for Crawford. <laughs> <laughs> so did you so, get to have a chuckle with him and go, "Hey, Crow, you know what's what's going on here?" You know, you know, he was the reason why I played as many games as I did. You know, what people don't understand what coaching in, you know, 10%, 15% of his ex knows. The rest is balancing personalities. Wow. You know, so there's 23 guys on an NHL roster. There's 23 personalities. You've got to find ways to, to get the most out of each of your players. And he knew that I needed my wires crossed and he crossed my wires and, you know, we were good. We had, you know, he knew what to do. He, he, he would after me and he crossed my wires and that would make me go, yeah. but maybe somebody else you had to, you know, hold their hand and walk them down the, right. down the hallway and say, Hey, listen, I need more out of you. Or maybe you had to go to the media and say, call somebody out in the media. Yeah. Um, you had to know what, what each player, um, was about so you had to balance those personalities obviously you won the cup with joel coinville he's a second all-time winning his coach for a reason he yeah. knows how, he's not a great x and o's guy meaning um he knows how to burst you know balance personalities and we won the stanley yeah. cup he knew how to get our first line going and he knew was how to go this you know that's what that was and so mark crawford I, i'm so thankful that he was my coach he's the reason why i want a stanley cup he's the reason why i was in the NHL as long as I did. He did his job yeah. uh, of crossing my wires. That's what I needed personally. Yeah. And, and you know what I think part of it too is, is, you know, to your point is knowing yourself and what gets you fired up, but, but the coach knowing which buttons to push for each of those guys. And it's, you know, it's like having 23 kids, right. And, yeah. and, and all those personalities um, and, and being able to deal with them all. Right. You know, I, I got my, I got buddies of mine that are, that are coaches in the OHL now and, you know, different, they go, they go, I, I got to be like the Google button. Kids need a, yeah. have a question. I got to be able to have answers for every single one of them, you know, and that's yeah. a little bit different today than like back, back in my early days, oh. coaches didn't <laughs> tell us shit. Fuck, you were lucky if you got a fucking word out of them. They walk in the room, everybody go quiet. They say what they had to say, and then they fucking leave. 
right? Yeah, they're the I boss. remember going up with the coaches, uh, the assistant coach. I'm going, how come I'm in and out of the lineup? How do I get? Yeah. I think I'm doing all the right things. They go, be patient, keep working hard. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, it's the they're fuck the boss. Does that mean? That's it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they told you what to do. You listen. You know, they tell you how to how high to jump. You jumped. Yeah. You know, so that's yeah. You and I grow up in the same same world, and that's the way it is. Obviously, now uh, you tell a kid how how high to jump. Okay. Uh, what degree am I supposed to go at? How much pressure? Yeah. Well, yes. Yeah. So why? It is Hold on. I got. I got to bring in my team. They all got like conditioning coaches and you know people like me that are working on their mind and they've got nutritionists and it's like a, you got a whole village for one kid now, right? That you got to you got to answer questions to. And, and I never really had an agent. Not that I really needed one, but even in the, my short minor league career, and now you got agents and advisors for these guys at at 13, 14 years old. Yeah. I was still that's holding whole, that's a whole other episode. <laughs> I was holding mommy's hand at 4, 13 and 14. Yeah, exactly. I, I was too scared to cross the street. <laughs> that's uh, that's one of my guys. Sorry for that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, you know, you, you get to play almost 700 games in, in the NHL and you make this jump to the KHL. What was the, what was the decision process behind that? Still had some game in you? Weren't sure what was going on? You know, the process, you know, obviously uh, everybody's dream is to win a Stanley Cup. You know, you take a lot of guys, you know, um, you know, we're talking about, uh, you know, talking today, Patrick Marlowe. He's, you know, he's breaking the all-time rec games played. Yeah. You know, um, him and I go back to when we are 16 together in Swift Current. So what an accomplishment. But, you know, he went to Toronto to chase the Cup. He went to Pittsburgh to chase the Cup. I won a Stanley Cup. Yeah. And I was, I was in 2004, 2005, you know, we locked out for the whole year. You know, right. so I missed a whole season of playing. Uh, I missed a whole year of salary. You know, after that, you know, I got traded to Atlanta in Montreal. And I looked at it. There was a lockout looming. I'm an older guy. You know, um, I was thought, you know, my thought process and we were talking about it could be another year lockout. I'm like, all right, Brent, you're at the end of your career. You're trying to you get your Stanley Cup. Now let's try and make as much money and you can retire and, and, and figure out what you want to do. Yeah. But if I lock out again for another year, no, no team in Europe is going to want me. You know, they, they want the younger guys. They want the skilled right. guys that everybody went over. So I jumped ship to the KHL early to get ahead of that. You know, I ended up having a, you know, a couple offers to come back to the NHL. And, you know, I had an amazing time. You know, I was in and out of like 10 countries, Kazakhstan and Belarus and, and Latvia. You know, in Russia, they treated me amazing. And, yeah. you know, who can say that they went over and spent three years in, in the KHL? And yeah. it allowed me to to continue my career. I ended up playing over a thousand professional regular season games. And, awesome. you know, there's not a lot of a lot of people that can say that. So uh, one of my best friends is still uh, still living in Russia. And, you know, we talk weekly and um, I was blessed to, to play as long as I can. But you know, it's an amazing country to go over there and and, and see Eastern Europe. Or yeah. you know, most people see it on, on you know on TV or documentaries, and you know they're you know they're amazing to me, and yeah. I wouldn't change it for the world. Yeah. And um, like I said, I can say I lived in Russia for three years in middle Siberia for a year and a half. <laughs> <laughs> what was that like? Was it a bit of a culture shock when you went over there? Did you have an idea what to expect? Yeah, my parents were like, you know, as a little young kid, I'm going to send you to Siberia. Well, they, they eventually sent, <laughs> they to, sent Siberia, you to Siberia. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, again, you know, the hardcore culture shock, you know, so 
we, you know, as you know, hockey fans, we, we always bitch about so-and-so coming from Europe isn't playing well. Let me tell you, I went over there at like 34, 35, and I'm like, whoa. Really? You know, so it is not even close. Uh, you know, I can speak Canadian. I'm learning American, but Russian, <laughs> whole, you know. <laughs> Again, you know, Brent Slope with the long hair, greasy hair, and slowest guy in the NHL trying to step on Olympic-sized ice. I'm like, holy <laughs> shit. I can't go board to board without having a heart attack. But um, <laughs> I remember the first time I world. saw an Olympic-sized rink, and I stood on one side, and I was I was asking the guys beside me, "Is there a ferry that comes over to take me to the other side?" <laughs> Seriously, and so it, it's by far the second best world uh, league in the world, the KHL, not even yeah. close. And so some of the guys that are over there, unbelievable. You know, I played against Tarasenko, Panarin, yeah. Kovalchuk. You know, these are the guys I played against over there, you know, so um, unbelievable. You yeah. talk about the skill over there, un- amazing. Yeah. And a lot of them, you know, stay over there because it's such a culture shock. Some of them, you know, have wives and kids, you know, my two goalies when I played for it was Ilya Sorokin, uh, the goalie that just came over from uh, the KHL to the Islanders, and yeah. uh, Andre Vasilevsky for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Best goalie in the United, best goalie in the world. was Those were two of my goal. you know, yeah. I see them being one, two, Best goalies in the world. Those are my two goalies when I played in the KHL. Yeah, not 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 a bad tandem in that, huh? Yeah, no, you know, not not bad. Thank you. Every mistake I made, you know, Vasilevsky saved my ass so many times. So, you know, uh, him and I were, you know, he helped me with my Russian, saved my ass. I helped him with his English, and you know, here I, you know, now living in Tampa Bay and number one goalie in the world, and uh, we live close to each other. So it's amazing how how the world works. But yeah. um, I loved it. You know, it continued my career. Like I said, I was able to. To say that I got to a thousand professional regular season games, yeah. uh, a very small number of people can say that. That's amazing. It's a it's a it's a great personal statistic, right? So so when the uh, when you decided, what was the deciding factor for you, Brent? What did you say? You know what? Uh, it's time for Brent Brent to move on. You know, um, you know, my last year, I ended up coming back and playing in the AHL in Chicago, the Chicago Wolves. Um, it was that, I, my body had no. You know, um, my body was shut down, you know, all the, you know, all the, the shot blocks, the career of playing by, you know, contact hockey, what I did, you know, almost 700 games, uh, regular season games, you know, and then you got playoffs in the NHL. That's probably 750, 800. My yeah. body had not, you know, broken yeah. bones. So the Wolves are great, graceful enough to, to give me a contract. And, um, you know, I was more of a player coach almost Just I, I was there to get my thousand game to teach the kids, uh, I want to see every one of those kids, um, you know, make Danny Chow. And uh, one of them, you know, Joel Edmondson, uh, yeah. obviously the Montreal Canadiens. You got Jordan Bennington, his goaltender, yeah. St. Louis Blues. So there's a couple of guys that were on the team. And I wanted to – I was there to, you know, to have fun, teach them, you know. And I, and once I got my thousands game, uh, you know, I, a couple of games later I retired. But, you know, what my body had gone through. And, you know, we always dream of playing forever. But, you know, their body just, just doesn't do it. I always say I'm 44, but uh, my body's 64 and my brain's 74. <laughs> <laughs> you, got a, you got a great sense of humor about it. You, yeah, you got to have it, right? I mean, it's uh, it's part of what keeps you keeps you sane, I, I guess, right? Age is just a number. I'm, I'm always going to be 10 years old. That's it. That's it. Well, look, at, I, I'm going to be 52 this year. And, and uh, you know, I, I remember back, I was looking at your pictures. I'm going, fuck, I remember when I used to have hair like that. Yeah. That's what well, you still got it. I don't you know. I'm doing good. Yeah, I wear the hat so for a reason. I got, you know, <laughs> you still got the feather. Can't be genetic. So my dad, 
I don't know. I always say, I think I'm the mailman's kid because my dad's bald too. So I don't know really sure where I got <laughs> it's every other from. generation. I got to grow yeah. it here now, right? Pick up for up here. I can't. I got spots here. I'm like people, are like you are the worst beard ever. Uh, I'm like, you know, you know what? Awesome. Life is. You got to have fun. You know, all I ask and all I talk about people, I counsel people is until you love yourself, you can look in the mirror and say, I love you. Know it, believe it and feel it. That's when your life's going to change because you can't love somebody else the way they need to be loved. If you can't love yourself. Agreed. I really agree with that. It's so true. Uh, I had to go through that, that experience myself. Um, so, so are you having fun now? Let's talk about your foundation and, and what you're doing. Cause I think that this is truly the work that you're meant to do, right? 100%. And it took me to crash and burn in life. And then you went through it and, uh, I had to get sober and I had to, I had to love myself, you know, and, um, you know, the foundation obviously, you know, dyslexia is one in five and yep. it's hereditary, you know, so cancer is one in two not all hereditary next is dyslexia. So uh, I started the foundation just to advocate for these kids. I still think that less than 20% of the population of this world knows what dyslexia is, what we struggle with. So we're born with a right brain wired differently. So there's no pill, there's no shot and it's not going right. It's hereditary. You know, everybody knows what autism is. That's not hereditary. And that's one in 65. Wow. So you take a look at 50% of people in prison in the world are dyslexic. That's unreal. So I'll be honest. I mean, I was probably one of those people. I knew what it was. And, you know, you always think it's, well, they, you know, the, the letters get mixed up and, you know, you you can't read properly, but, but, you know, as I dig into it, it's a lot deeper than that, isn't it? And that's, and that's, that's exactly why I'm here to advocate and and tell kids they're not alone. It it is. We have no self-esteem. That's it. You know, so, because we struggle from the first time we pick up that book, you know, yeah. when you're one, one and a half, two, that's when we start struggling. So um, dyslexia kicks off your bipolar, your depression, your anxiety, because the three words you're called are your dumb, stupid, and lazy. And, you know, you know anybody who wants to watch my documentary, uh, it's about my life, about dyslexia. It's free on YouTube. You know, it's called Here to Change the World. And, and please share it because you have no idea who is struggling right now. You know, 65% of us are addicted to drugs and alcohol. Why? Because we have no self-esteem because we're called dumb, stupid, and lazy uh, our whole life. And, um, you know, I couldn't get a job. Why? Because I had no self-esteem. Interesting. You know, so, you know, that's why I always say less than 20%. Everybody thinks it's just flipping your B's and D's. That is absolutely not even close to it. There's, you know, 50 other things. And that's 50th on the list of all those 50 things. It's incredible what, you know, how, how little we know about some of the things that people have to deal with because so many people live in silence, you know, and they're just afraid or embarrassed to come out and talk about these things. You know, I read that you really didn't even realize you had dyslexia until your daughter was diagnosed. Yeah, I didn't even know what the word is. So I was 32 years old. So I lived, I got 32 years of hard pain score, you know, scars, you know, I talked about in my documentary. You know, I was reading at a grateful level in high school. You know, in, in high school, all you want to be is cool. And uh, all you want is, is to look good for the girls. Yeah. And, you know, here you're trying to fit in, you know, all the hormones, both female and male. And I couldn't read, you know. So I, I hated my life. And that's why I said I had to crash and burn and, and, and love who I was. I had to re, relearn who that was. I never loved myself until, you know, I was in my 40s, you know, because of all the scars. And 
that's, you know, I'm not complaining to anybody about it. That was just, nobody knows what I had. I didn't even know the word dyslexia was, right. you know, um, got my daughter tested by a neuropsych and, you know, we went back and got the test results. That was me. That was me. She's like, Oh, and she's dyslexic. I'm like, all right, what word is that? What, what is that? You know? So I had to dive in and that's my story is not about me. It's about every kid out there struggling. Yeah. And, um, we always say here in the U.S., 40 million adults have dyslexia. Two million know it. Wow. Wow. No, so these stats are staggering. It's just astonishing. Uh, and that's why I just try and talk about it, you know, just to hear, you know, I want to change the world, but I got to educate the world before I can change it. Yeah, so true, brother. So true. Uh, very powerful story, um, you know, in so many different ways, because, you know, at a, at a surface level, you know, a lot of people will look at this and think they know Brent, you know, Brent Sopel, the hockey player and, you know, successful NHL career, a thousand games under his belt, Stanley Cup, but they don't see the struggles that are going on outside of the rink. Right. And this is this is a, a big reason why I do what I'm doing, because, you know, I've had first glimpse personally and, and the things that I've gone through mentally to try to, you know, cope with things that that there was nobody there for me at that time. And and I think, you know, people like yourself trying to change the world, um, bringing awareness to situations like dyslexia, because I'm sure like yourself up until you knew what it was, and even myself, you, you know, we have this very minute understanding of what what it is. Oh, it's mixed up letters. Well, we'll figure it out, right? Get over it. Um, it's it, it leads to, and you, you said something very, very powerful, which is it leads to all these other symptoms of depression and anxiety and uh, confidence and self-respect that that just take away from the individual all because of you know this undiagnosed issue that they might have that they're too embarrassed to talk about 100 and you know i was uh you know for an example i had a meeting with a guy again about a month ago and talking about the foundation he works for a foundation how we could collaborate together a couple of days later he called me up and said you know i, I was with my uh my son and my granddaughter. And I started telling him about you. you know, this was in Chicago, all that I met with Brent to stand the cup winner, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, my daughter, my granddaughter is 15 and she's dyslexic. And he's like, I can't believe it. And he's close with them. That just tells you that nobody talks about it. Even grandpa, who was a, to a 15 year old you know, granddaughter, didn't even know that his own daughter was dyslexic until he started talking about it. And they're like, oh yeah, I am too. Because yeah. nobody talks about that, that embarrassment that goes along with it. Some of the richest people, Richard Branson, you know, celebrities, Tom Cruise, Jennifer Aniston, uh, you know, the list goes on. Keanu Reeves, as, as Canadians, we all know who that is. They're all yeah. dyslexic. That's crazy. I didn't realize that. So I've learned something new today, too. <laughs> you, know, and, you know, so it's it's mental health, you know, in, in, yeah. in a nutshell. And yeah. that's why I talk about it. You know, I, uh, you know, the documentary is really raw. I tell you the way it is. And that's, you know, you know, this whole, this podcast, I just tell you the way it is. You know, I don't sugarcoat it. You might not like it, but that's just reality that, uh, that I've had to live through. Yeah. And I, and I think there's, there's more power in that. I, I think people are tired of hearing things that they, they want to hear. They need to hear things that, or they should be hearing things that they need to hear. Right. And I think there's, Hopefully, I, I, you know, there's more people like yourself that are that are, are coming out and talking about these these, um, you know, uh, situations personally, 
And I think when you talk about it personally and you open yourself up and you're vulnerable about it and, you know, you've got an audience and you've got an ear because of, you know, what you've accomplished in your sport, but, but more importantly now, what you're, what, what you are looking at leaving your legacy as and, and making the world a better place and changing it and creating awareness, I think is, is a bigger mission. It's a much bigger mission than winning a Stanley cup. The ring is nice, but, but being able to look back on, on changing the world, that's a, a that's a, a pretty powerful uh, legacy to leave behind. Right. Yeah. 100%. You know, obviously we talk about COVID and everything's been going on the last year, year and a half. The people that, you know, it was a mess from God, you know, spend some time with yourself, spend some time with your family, you know, uh, really, really dive in. The hardest thing in the world uh, is self-reflection. And there's one thing in this world that we're never perfect at is yeah. yourself. Yeah. So, you know, so the people that did that work are in a good place today. Yeah. The people who didn't are the one that, are, that aren't in a good place. Yeah. I agree. And I think, you know, being able to look at a, at a difficult situation and try and find the positive in it. I've used this time myself to grow personally, and I've done so much reading and, and, and uh, self-reflection during this, um, that, that uh, um, you know, I, as much as we want to whine and complain about the restrictions we have up here in Ontario, I know you're not dealing with those down in Florida, but, but we got to have something to whine about just well, a little bit. But um, what can you control? And this is what I tell people. 100%. What can you control? There's only one thing you can control. That's yourself. That's yourself. So, you know, the restriction that you're talking about, can you control that? No. Nope. So why spend time whining about something that can control? I agree. You know, as a hockey player or an athlete, can I control what that coach is doing? No. No. Nope. Can I look in the mirror? If you're playing your 100% hardest every time you're on the field, a court, or ice, You'll play, you'll, play, you'll play every shift. No coach will ever take you off. Right. But So that's leaving it all out there. They always talk about yeah. Can you control what the coach is doing? No, I can't control what he's going to do, but I can control what I'm going to do. Agreed. I love that. I love that, man. I mean, you're, you're, you're preaching to the choir here. And, you know, I, I have a little tagline that I use in, in my, uh, my, my social and stuff. And I ask, are you all in? You know, yeah. and if you're not all in, then you're not all in. Right. Yeah. And that's that's not just physically, it's mentally, it's it's conditioning, it's nutrition, it's the mental side, it's as a person. It's not just who you are when you show up to you know the battlefield, it's who are you when you leave the battlefield, who are you at night, who are you when you wake up, what are you thinking about? What are you eating? What are you consuming? How are you making yourself a better person? You know, how do you treat other people? Like there's so many components, it's not just the two hours you spent training a day or performing in your sport. And, 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 you know, the more we can get in touch with who we are personally or ourselves and control that it's, it's such a powerful thing. And, and that's, I'm glad you said that so that if any of the guys that I work with are listening, they know it's not just me telling them control the controllables, right? Well, and don't worry about the things you can't control. <laughs> and, and to your point, we just talked about is it's a bigger focus who you are as a person away from the rink means more than what you do at the rink yeah. and, and impacts your game more while you talk about working out, you're talking about what you're eating. Okay. You're going to take care of, if you love yourself, you're going to take care of yourself. If you're a good person, you're going to take care of yourself, which I'm going to take, you know, by doing X, Y, and Z, guess what? You, you know, that, you know, that love of who you are and what you are and that confidence and that self-esteem comes back to on the ice or on the field or on the court, bigger yeah. and better than anything else. 
Yeah, agreed. I, I, I tell the guys, I have a little saying, I say, your thoughts become your words, your words become actions, your actions become your behaviors, behavior becomes your legacy. Yeah, exactly. You know, there's, there's again, a cliche, you're going to talk to talk or walk to walk. Walk to walk. Agreed. Agreed. Well, listen, man, uh, we're coming up on an hour here. I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I know you got a lot of stuff going on. I got one final question for you. This has been awesome. Uh, I really appreciate your time. It's been great chatting with you. I feel like I've known you for all my life, but uh, I think this just goes to show you the power of sports and hockey, you know, and, and uh, you know, being, being two degrees of separation with, uh, yeah. with Ryan in between there. But <laughs> yeah. uh, so the, the last question I like to ask a lot of my guests is uh, be, before you say goodbye is, is if your life was a building billboard on the road to life what would your billboard say uh you can't change the past you can't change the future you can only change now i love it that's awesome you know and then people are like what are you talking about what does that mean you can't you know hindsight's 2020 they say that for a reason yeah everybody thinks that they can change the future you know um planning, i'm planning on doing this for dinner i'm looking up the menu online i'm going here why i might be dead and that might be the same orbit you don't know. Great. You can't, you know, so why it goes back to focusing, you know, you can change now, right now, you and I right now, you know, and, and the hardest thing in the world that I found is living for the moment. So hard. And I, I, man, I gotta tell you, it's almost like you read my mind and you're reading everything that I've been doing. <laughs> I, I dude, I just, I just put out a post two days ago and the title of it was every single second, everything changes. Yeah. You just you you just you just called it out right there. Yeah, it's awesome. So there you hear it, guys. This isn't just Rob preaching. You hear it from uh, uh, Brent Sopel. That's uh, amazing, brother. Um, again, I'm I'm humbled and grateful and, and thankful that you were able to come on and spend an hour and share your story. And uh, I wish you continued success not only with the solar business, but uh, <laughs> but but mostly with uh, with the Brent Sopel Foundation. Quickly, just give everybody uh, an update on where they can find you, where they can follow you, and how they can support you. Yeah, you know, so the Brent Sopel Foundation. You go uh, on the website. I'm just about finishing. Uh, the Canadian website. So that's going to launch here, hopefully here in the next couple of weeks in Canada. So, um, you know, obviously it's two different countries, you know, advocating on both sides in, in Parliament, in Washington. So uh, merchandise will be on there, you know, principalfoundation.ca and the Canadian side, you know, uh, .com on, on the other side so that, uh, you know, the money that we raise in Canada stays in Canada to advocate for all the Canadians and um doing the things they can do and once the borders open up i'll be you know doing events and and things like that in canada um you know you know obviously thanks for having me on rob and always here to, to help and to help any of your uh anybody in your audience and any of your clients any way i can uh, that's amazing and and don't be surprised to get a text or a phone call one day you're an awesome guy i really appreciate it and anytime you want some obscure minor leaguer to come in and support you i'm there to, i got your back brother <laughs> you know what? i appreciate that anytime you know i can uh, always need a little extra hand and you know the world's a cruel place so uh yeah. you know find some good people and put them in your life awesome awesome appreciate it guys Brent Sopel, thank you for joining. Welcome, or uh, uh, welcome. I'm jumping. My, you got my mind going all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have you back on, and we'll welcome you back again. Right. Brent, perfect. Appreciate all your right, time perfect. again today. Thanks, all brother. Right. Thanks, Take buddy. Bye. Take care. Bye bye. So that was a pretty good one. Hey, I'm listening to Brent Sopel, uh, 18 year pro hockey career 
a thousand games, 700 plus in the NHL, including playoffs or not including playoffs, a Stanley Cup in 2010, a little tour through Russia. Uh, Brent has kind of seen and done it all uh, as as far as pro hockey goes. Um, He was very forthright in what he believes uh, and I appreciate his candor and sharing how hockey is a business and not a smart sport and that's coming from somebody who spent many years on the inside. One of the most impressive things I heard out of Brent uh, that kind of stuck with me was a quote that he said near the beginning which God passes messages in negative ways. Uh, That kind of struck me and I wrote it down um, and I just wanted to bring it back up. He made a very good point on that note as well. Anyways, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, please like, share, give a comment, a few stars, um, and uh, let us know you're there. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for tuning in. And we will catch you next week on Mindset Body Bank. I'm Rob Palante. Thank you. And have yourself a fantastic, blessed week.